Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. Hello, I am Abby Bennett. And this is Dinner, Dinner Table, Table Politics. Politics. There we go. That's good. You know, I'm you, you, really exuberant tonight. What makes you so exuberant tonight? I drink a lot of caffeine on the way here. Oh, okay. Well, good. Well, caffeine isn't always served around the dinner table, so that's probably good that you're that you're supplementing your intake. I don't know what that means. Okay, weirdo. I'm a weirdo. I, I am a weirdo. All right, so the elections are over. We are now... Thank goodness. Thank goodness. All the signs have come down. All the ads have stopped. And everybody is very grateful for that. Just in time for Thanksgiving, we are thankful that there are no more political ads. That's why it was invented? Thanksgiving was? Yes. Wow. To, to celebrate the end of political ads. That's super cool. So you voted, though, did you not? I did vote by ballot. So my question for you is, what percentage of your peers also voted? That is to say, what percentage of people from 18 to 29 voted in the 2018 midterm elections? Do you have the actual answer in front I of you? I do. I got Did it from teenvogue.com. Oh, but only to, the best uh, news sources used here on this podcast. That's correct. Um, should I just guess? Just guess. Uh, 30%. You are very close. An estimated 31% That's of eligible it? people. Come on, peers. Yeah. That makes me so sad. Well, that's 10 percentage points higher than the 2014 midterms. Dang. And that was an election year even. Well, no, 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 no. It was just a midterm. The presidential election, 51% of eligible voters voted in the 2016 presidential of, of, election. Of my age group? Of your age group. Okay. Millennials 18 to 29. Dang, that's only 30%. You know, every election Y'all, season... Y'all, get it together. Every election season, they talk about, okay, here come the young voters, and the young voters are going to flood everything, and they're going to take over, and they never do. Uh, 31% of eligible young voters. You know who votes reliably every Old single people. time? Old people. Okay, here's my theory, though. They are retired, most of them. And, like, most of the people my age are in school or working. And my... My suggestion would be to make Election Day a national holiday so there's no school and no work so you have time to vote. There are plenty of people who have suggested that over the years. The thing Dang that's it, changed, I thought though, I was original. No, well, the thing that's changed is that Election Day isn't Election Day anymore. It's Election Month. Uh, we got our, our ballots here in Utah on October 9th. Yeah, that's true. And so people, John Lennon's birthday. October 9th is? Yeah. He died on December 9th, right? I 1980. I don't know. Anyway, Stan Lee. We just got news that Stan Lee has passed R.I.P. to a great one. To a great one. I was a big fan of Stan Lee. I blew all of my paper route earnings uh, pre-taxes on Stan Lee. Wow, that's an old person sentence. It is. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. I had a paper route and I blew it all I'm, on comic books. All my paper route earnings uh, you took to the local comic store on the, on the corner. I don't know where I was going with well, that. I'm trying to make it political somehow. Okay. Uh, in that that's when I learned, the, that's kind of when I became a Republican, is when I discovered how much money was being taken out for taxes and how okay. much I couldn't spend on comic books and on Stan Lee. But Stan Lee lived a good life. He was 95 years old. He left his mark on the world in a way that I think is going to be remembered for generations to come. So just wanted to acknowledge that. I also, in another non-political segment, uh, well, it is somewhat political. Donald Trump... Blaming the wildfires on Democrats is really kind of disgusting. <laughs> I saw I saw this tweet. I start so many things on this podcast with I saw this tweet. Yeah. That's all the that's all the 
good stuff I have to offer. But there's this tweet, and it was like, there's a fire burning down California, and Donald Trump just sided with the fire. (laughs) It's it's crazy. Well, it's stunning. And it's it's very personal for me because uh, my hometown. Because the Kardashians. No, not the Kardashians. Well, the Kardashians have infested my hometown. They haven't infested. You don't like the word infested? They were already there. They were already there. But I grew up in Calabasas, California. Senior class president of Calabasas High School okay, 1986. Okay, brag about it. That was the highlight of my political career was that I won an election in oh, 1986. that to be senior is class president. not good. Uh, uh, all of Calabasas was uh, forced to evacuate. Well, it was a mandatory evacuation. A number of my friends did not evacuate. And apparently... Uh, it was a precaution because the fire wasn't there, but they were concerned about strong winds blowing the fire. It was there. No, not not in Calabasas yeah, proper. Yeah, it was because it hit Kim, Kim, Kim and Kanye's property. Well, they're not right in the heart. They're, they're in they're Hidden in Hills. Hidden Hills. Is yeah, Hidden Hills Calabasas? is kind of on the outskirts. Uh, I, I lived just up the block from Calabasas High School, which is down on Mulholland. Okay. Anyway, uh, shout out to uh, – and. Uh, well, and we are and all, over, to all over the board here. We are all over the board. No, but what, what I wanted to focus on here um, was the whole idea of voting trends and voting demographics and what we can expect in the future in terms of how people are going to vote. And I also want to talk a little bit about voter fraud as we go on a little bit here. But prior to the 2016 election, I was blogging and I was telling all of my friends that I did not expect to see another Republican president in my lifetime. In 2012. Yet here we are. Yet here we are. In 2012, Mitt Romney won the same won a larger percentage of the Caucasian vote of the white vote than Ronald Reagan did in 1980. Uh, wow. And uh, Those you, Caucasians really love their Mitt. Well, what, but what it meant, what it said to me was the growing demographics, we have a growing Latino population, we have a growing African-American population. Right. And uh, those kinds of things, uh, ethnicity is one of the strongest indicators of, of the way people are going to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, okay, uh, us old white guys are eventually going to become marginalized. And what happened in 2016 was that the old white guys all came out in force and said, no, we're not giving up our majority. Oh, boy. I'm sure you're thrilled about that. I, and, I'm not going to say anything. Well, No, you are. This is a podcast. You're supposed to I say don't, something. I don't want to make anybody, like, I don't want to be mean to anybody. I'm like, well, I don't it, know. It, it's, it's stunning to me how overtly um, – the Trump campaign is appealing to white voters. Yeah. I mean, I've never thought of myself as a white voter. Does that make any sense? I mean, I've, I've always thought of you as a white voter. I'm sure you have. but first, I The first day I ever laid eyes on you, straight out the womb, <laughs> I thought, that guy is white. That guy is white. But uh, the kinds of tribal identities that shape how we vote um, – are, are sometimes tied into ethnicity. But for me, I, I don't think of myself in ethnic terms. Yeah. Does that make sense? But I, you I, you just have a similar life experience to other white men, probably. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I, I, the, 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 it's not that I don't have tribal affiliations, but ethnicity, you know, when I, t- I, I don't look at somebody who is white who does something and go, ah, my people. 
right? I don't feel some kind of tribal affinity. Yeah, we can't for, because then we would be bummed out because every single mass shooting is by a white is person. Is by a white person. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, mean, I don't take any kind of pride or solidarity in the color of my skin. Uh, but uh, a number of minorities do have that experience. Right. And, uh, and that does kind of shape... Uh, I, my tribal identities, I think, comes from my faith. I mean, I think I, I identify with people who belong to my church mm-hmm. very strongly. Uh, it comes from a number of different things. It comes from geography. I mean, I, I think of myself as a Utahan. When I look at the national scene, I think, how will this affect Utah? Right. Uh, but I don't think, okay, what does this mean for us white people? So, right. um, obviously, I'm Caucasian as well. You but- are. Yeah, I but, that too. but um, when women do something cool, though, I I always right. think like, ooh, girl power, woohoo! Right. So those but, are. Some but of I the... don't think you go like, ooh, manpower, yay. No, I don't, and I don't. I don't know that a lot of. Well, that's not true. What? What? So what was startling to me about the whole Trump phenomenon is that there are white men who go, woohoo, white men, white male power. Yeah, that's and that's a little terrifying. There, I think there's certain names for those people. <laughs> there are certain names. Trump used one of them. He called himself a nationalist, uh, and uh, you know. Wait, I just thought of something that kind of relates but doesn't really relate. Yeah. The Spice Girls are going on tour again. And you know how they used to always say girl power? Yep. They're changing it to say people power. Oh, well, that's very inclusive like, of them. Uh, so they're including me? I'm a person. I, I guess. I Fine. Guess. Welcome to the family. All right. Well, let's – when we get back from our break, we're going to talk about the kind of indicators that are going to be able to tell us how you are more likely to vote than not. Okay, let's get into the numbers. So in 2018, uh, 51% of all men voted for a Republican candidate for Congress. Mm-hmm. This is for the House of Representatives. These numbers come from the Pew Research Organization. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. Wait, I have a joke. <laughs> okay. Um, what does a stormtrooper do when they're hungover? What does a stormtrooper do? Puke, puke, puke. Very That's good. funny, right? That's very good. That's very, very good. So, from the Puke Puke Research Organization, uh, 51% of men in total voted for the, a Republican candidate. This is all for the House of Representatives. This doesn't have any information on the Senate that I okay. can see. And 59% of women voted for the Democratic candidate. So, that's one of the biggest gender gaps. I mean, you said you look at women and you say, woohoo, girl power. Yeah. Or, or women power. Do you say women power? Do you um, even say any power? Wonder I just, Twin I Powers just, I just think, woohoo, another one for the gals. Another one for the gals. Um, if you break it down, up by ethnicity, 54% of white people voted for the Republican candidate. 44% voted for the Democratic. What percentage of black voters voted for Democrats, do you think? Um, 70. 90%. Mm, interesting. Uh, that, is, that is remarkably consistent. Uh, nine out of ten black voters vote for Democrats. They have since the days of the civil rights era. And if Republicans were somehow able to to break the, the African-Americans, you know, monopoly voting for Democrats, Democrats would never win another election. Yeah. And every, ev- after every election, uh, Republicans sit down and go, okay, how can we appeal to black voters? <laughs> And, you know, Donald Trump has finally just said, you know, I'm kind of giving up. 
<laughs> I'm going straight for the white voters, and it's all about white people. Well, yeah, yeah, yep. Which, which long term is not going to work. I'm okay with that. I'm fine with you're, that. You're okay with it not working? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm okay with it there, not I working, saw this, too. I saw this, um, this like, layout of people who voted for Beto mm-hmm. uh, in the Beto-Ted Cruz election, and it was something like 94% of black women voted for Beto. Oh, yeah. Like, I was like, that's, cra- I, that's crazy. Well, that's, that's, that's remarkably consistent. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting, well, we'll get into this deeper, uh, Hispanic voters, in, uh, just to preface this, in 2004... George W. Bush and his reelection campaign campaign got can can got forty four percent of the Hispanic vote. Mm-hmm. What do you think the percentage was of Republican Hispanic voters this time around? For Trump? No, this is this is in twenty eighteen. Oh, uh, thirty. Close. You're very good at. I'm estimating. so good. Twenty nine. <laughs> Interesting. Twenty nine percent, sixty nine percent voted for Democratic. Candidate. Okay, and obviously it's not my place to tell people how to vote at all. But when I saw people like. Um, like Hispanic people voted for Trump, that like blew my mind that they would yeah, vote for him bizarre. after he specifically called them rapists and drug mules. Like, I, I'm, I guess they were just voting for the party probably over the person, but that still kind of blew my mind. Well, that and that's one of the reasons why immigration is such a uh, you know a flashpoint for Republicans is because they're concerned that if you allow more Hispanic voters, you're going to allow more Democratic voters. And so That's there's dangerously a, close to I, 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 like a really bad racism? ideology. Yeah, like fascism. <laughs> dangerously close to race fascism. Uh, it's certainly racism, I, I believe. I mean, rather than saying, OK, let's just keep Latino voters from voting. They ought to be thinking, OK, what can we do to appeal to Latino yeah, voters? Should, you should be more. Both sides should be more inclusive. Well, of everybody. Well, it's, it's just getting yeah. to his credit. George W. Bush. Uh, more than any other Republican in my lifetime that I know of, really went out of his way to try to appeal to Hispanic voters. And George W. Bush's immigration policies were exactly the opposite of Donald Trump's. Uh, there was a time... That's crazy that we're in a time period where people miss George W. Bush. Well, I'm one of the six people in the world that still loves George W. Bush. Keep so your voice down. Come I on. I shouldn't say that too loudly. Sheesh. But if you go on the internet, uh, you can if you Google Bush-Reagan debate immigration, there comes up a, uh, a, a primary debate in 1980 where George H.W. Bush and Ronald Reagan are debating immigration. And boy... They, they spend all of their time ripping the idea of a wall, ripping everything that Donald Trump stands for. The Republican Party— how did we go so wrong, you guys? Th- we've gone way wrong. The Republican Party no longer exists, at least the Republican Party of Reagan no longer exists. It's now the party of Trump. But So you're going to see all of these kind of numbers here's, change. Here's the, here's the solution. We have to get another president named Reagan. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and then it can be the party of Reagan again. That wasn't funny. I don't know why I said that. Well, that was good. That's good. I'm no. sorry, everybody. That's all right. I don't have anything funny to say. So. Oh, we know. That's. <laughs> well, okay. So, so, but when you start breaking these down, there are a lot of other indicators that are very powerful to determine how. And so we've we talked about race and gender. Race and gender. What's Education. Education. Education is a big one. I, is is this true that the more educated you are, the more likely you are to vote Democrat? Uh, it is true. Why is that? Um, well, 
because you can't just be like Republicans are dumb, Democrats are smart. Well, well there are a lot that, of people but. who say that. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who say that, and a lot of people come after me and say, you know, you're so smart. How could you ever vote for a Republican? And you they say, all talk I'm not smart that smart. <laughs> right. right. Um, I didn't vote for a whole lot of Republicans this time around. I voted for Mitt Romney for the Senate, and I think he's the only Republican I voted for. I voted for, but they were all. I was voting for United Utah. Yeah, Party I voted. Candidates. I voted UUP. And we didn't have a candidate in in the Senate race, but you voted. I voted Jenny Wilson. You voted for Jenny yeah. Wilson. So we, you, your vote canceled out my vote. That's why I do it. That's good. That's why I go. I vote. I think. Oh, I hope this cancels out some racist person's. Oh, vote. there we go. Thank you. Oh, I didn't. I don't know that I'm a racist. No, no, no. I, not you. Uh, yeah. But you're, your you're vote fine. did cancel out my vote. Anyway. Uh, All right, so when we get back from our break, I'm going to talk about uh, education and one other very powerful indicator as to how people vote. You you don't know what the one other powerful indicator is? No, I guessed zodiac sign, but apparently that's not correct. That is not correct. That is not correct. Well, first let's talk about... Where are my Capricorns at? (laughs) Do you feel any solidarity with Capricorns? Oh, yeah. Are you a Capricorn? Why would I say that if I wasn't? Yes. Okay, I'm a Leo. How do Leos vote? I don't know. All right, here is one of the most powerful indicators as to how you're going to vote. Beyond race, beyond education, uh, beyond gender. Religion. Mm. Uh, In 2006, this is an interesting thing, Catholic voters favored Democrats by 55 to 44%. Interesting. In 2018, Catholic voters were split between Democrats and Republicans almost evenly. 50% Democrat, 49% Republican. So then that's not a good indicator then. No, well, that's Catholic voters. White, born-again, evangelical Christians. What percentage do you think vote for Democrats? 20 very close. Ah. You're a genius. Are you looking at my screen no. here? No. 22%. 75% vote for uh, Republicans. Shocking no one. Now, what's interesting is that's white, born-again, evangelical Christians. Sure. If black, evangelical, born-again Christians were to vote for Republicans in the same numbers as their white counterparts, uh, the Democrats would never win another election. Yeah. Uh, Religion, uh, I remember my father talking about this, is that whether or not you go to church regularly is probably the most profound indicator as to how you're going to vote. Churchgoers vote for Republicans overwhelmingly. Why is that? Well, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the culture wars. Uh, uh, Evangelical Christians, a lot of these guys are single issue of single issue voters. Who, oh, who like, like abortion. Abortion overrules almost everything else. That's crazy to me. Well, it's kind of crazy to me, too. It's, like, the, it's a done deal at this point, guys. It really is. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I keep wanting to tell that to people on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Because the people who are terrified, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg fell down this Oh, week, yeah, yeah, yeah. Broke, broke fractured three ribs. Three ribs. I, everyone was like, wrap her in like plastic wrap, bubble wrap as soon as possible and right. just carry her around on a throne. Right. And there were hordes of people who were offering their own ribs and offering their organs and whatever they could to keep Ruth Bader Ginsburg healthy. You know, I'll give her my floating ribs. I'm not, I don't need them. Your floating ribs? Yeah. What's a floating rib? The, everybody has them. The, very, the ribs at the very bottom that aren't attached to your sternum. They're just like poking 
out kind of you, can, you can feel them they're called floating ribs because they're not attached to Oh, okay. anything besides your spine. Well, that's very nice of you. I don't know that they have surgeries that allow you to transplant your ribs to 85-year-old Supreme Court justices. Uh, I, they, like, they could find a way. Keep the option open. But what people don't realize is if Roe versus Wade were to be overturned, abortion would remain legal. All it would do is return it to the states, and many of these, uh, all of the blue states particularly, mm-hmm. have laws that go far beyond Roe versus Wade in terms of abortion law, abortion rights protections. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with single-issue voting. And I think Republicans uh, would be in serious trouble if Roe versus Wade were overturned. Why? Well. Like, you know, what, what would they have to rally the troops, kind of? Correct. Jesse Helms. Do you know who Jesse Helms is? No. Jesse Helms. Ed wh- Helms' brother. No, I don't think Ed Helms wants to be associated with Jesse oh, Helms. Sorry, Jesse Ed. Helms was a senator from South Carolina. South Carolina, North Carolina. I think maybe North Carolina. One of the Carolinas. One of the Carolinas. Uh, His big bugaboo was the National Endowment for the Arts. And I remember my father saying to me, the one person in the world who doesn't want the National Endowment for the Arts defunded is Jesse Helms. Okay. And I said, what are you talking about? Jesse Helms, every time he stands up, he screams about the National Endowment for the Arts and how awful it is and how it's corrupting the country and blah, blah, blah. And he said, if the National Endowment for the Arts were to go away, then Jesse Helms would not be able to raise money. Yeah. And That's how it is like with everything, though. Like If nobody ever got sick again, doctors wouldn't have jobs. No, but, but the, the political, political agitators uh, need an enemy. They need yeah. a crisis. Yeah, that's it's, true. it's one of the reasons why you don't hear Jesse Jackson talking about racial progress. Uh, we Jesse Jackson and hardcore racial agitators have to have a country where we are still mired in pre-Civil War uh, slavery mores. Because if we say things are getting better or things are improving, it it uh, weakens their cause. They don't have an enemy. Yeah. And so I've heard this is I don't know how true this is, but I've heard um, that's one of the reasons why relig- like religiosity is declining is because life in general is getting better. And, and religion is a and salve pe- to help people who well, are- like obviously I, no, I, I don't I don't share that opinion, but I, I have read like people say that that could be a reason why like in Europe, for example, like it's religion is not very prominent because life has gotten better. Yeah, and there's like, and we have explanations for a lot of things that we didn't used to have. Right. Well, and we can get into that, but th- that's not particularly political. I know, but I just thought it was related to that. Well, it, story, it is somewhat of. related. But if 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 suddenly abortion were returned to the states, then Republicans would have to go on record and vote, and actually vote in ways that would affect how abortion is managed in the country. Mm-hmm. Right now they don't. Right now so they can say whatever they want. Yeah. And they can rail on abortion and they can say all these terrible things knowing that as soon as they get into Congress there's absolutely nothing they can do yeah. that will affect I, I, abortion law. I, I hear I don't know if it was Trump that said it or some I don't know. I always hear people talk about how like they're like third term abortions and stuff, even late term abortions, even though those partial birth abortions, yeah, even though those are so so incredibly rare and like will right. only happen if the mom's gonna die, but they just can they can say whatever they want. So well, uh, there was a law that was passed. I, the, I it may have been overturned. I'm not sure. 
I know Bill Clinton repeatedly vetoed partial birth abortion laws. To allow partial birth abortion? No, no. They, they passed a ban after the Republicans took over Congress in 94. They passed a ban on partial birth abortion. Uh-huh. Because Roe versus Wade allows restrictions on abortion in the third trimester. Yeah. And partial birth abortion takes place right before, you know, late in the third trimester. Yeah. And Bill Clinton refused to refused to sign the law, oh, vetoed the law. I didn't know that. That's interesting. So uh, religiosity is one of the biggest indicators of how people are going to vote. And so when you look at these divisions and you break them down, it becomes very difficult to find common ground on issues where we continually look at the other side as not just wrong but evil. Yeah. And and the evangelical Christians and the re- religious people who – and the candidates that appeal to them, they speak in religious terms. It's good versus evil. It's black versus white. The other, to be fair, the other side does that as well. Like they, uh, Both sides Hillary, do Hillary's saying the basket of deplorables. That's ex- well, well, Hillary's the one who's on record as saying we can't be civil again until the Republicans take over Congress. Until the Republicans take over Congress? I'm sorry, until the Democrats take back Congress. So we can restore civility. That's such a dumb way of thinking. Sheesh. It is a dumb way of thinking, and it's getting worse. And and so if you look at the demographic trends as to how we're going to vote, uh, we continually, us versus them, sells a whole lot better than, hey, let's all work together. That's such a bummer. It is a bummer. And it leads to the kinds of things we're seeing right now in Florida in terms of discussions of voter fraud. Mm-hmm. And I want to get into that when we get back from our break. Voter fraud. What do you think? Are you a fan? Um, generally, I'm not a fan of fraud in general. I said generally and then general. Generally and general. So in in Florida right now they're doing recounts and they're I'm getting flashbacks. Why is it always Florida? Why is it always get your stuff together, Floridians? Yeah, sheesh. Yeah, it's unlikely these recounts are going to overturn the election, and it's not nearly as close as it was back in 2000. Uh, But it's interesting because voter fraud is been you know Donald Trump said after he lost that he would have won the popular vote if three million. Illegal immigrants hadn't voted illegally and fraudulently mm. with absolutely no evidence that that actually love, took place. I love that guy. No, I don't. You, that was, you're that not was, a fan? That was sarcasm. Uh, on the other side, so, so Republicans very often scream about voter fraud and they demand voter ID laws to be able to can't combat fraud. Uh-huh. And Democrats call that voter suppression. How is that suppression to ask for ID? Because uh, uh, minority voters are less likely to have ID, or at least that's the argument. But it's the, not a good argument. Yeah, it doesn't. Why would being a minority keep you from having an ID? Well, the reality is that now, since 2000, they've pa- they've passed the Help America Vote Act, and there is, there are funds to be able to provide free IDs to people who don't have them. Uh huh. And if you don't have an ID and you show up, HAVA, HAVA that's the acronym, how, how, I don't, allows you to cast a provisional ballot and say, okay, I'm going to cast this ballot and then I can come back with some ID or, or we can find some other way to verify that I'm a voter. But every citizen has like 
like you have to have a, you have ID of some I don't know. Well, don't make sense it, it's very difficult to function without any kind of ID. Yes. I don't know how you would do anything. Right, but the reality is you have one side screaming voter fraud, another side screaming voter suppression, and both sides are pretty much up in the night. Yeah. Uh, there's really – so I actually worked for a nonprofit about 10 years ago called the Voter Integrity Initiative, and I was putting together a documentary trying to find evidence of voter fraud. And, you know, you have people saying, okay, look – ACORN was the name of the group that had registered a bunch of fraudulent voters or like people who would sign up and they register Mickey Mouse to vote and they mm-hmm. register there was a dog. If he has ID, he should be allowed to vote. Well, Mickey see, has done a lot point. for our country. That's the point is that is that in order – having a fraudulent registration on the rolls doesn't matter unless you have a body who shows up and votes on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And that's very difficult to do. In every election, you hear I bet, these. I bet Mickey would vote Libertarian. I, I'm I'm pretty sure he would. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know if he would be on the bus. Goofy is a socialist for sure. <laughs> How do you know that? I just know. Okay. All right. Goofy is a socialist. If you didn't learn anything in, in this this podcast other than Goofy is a socialist, that's the most important takeaway. That's the most important takeaway. Um, but every election, there are urban rumors, I mean, urban legends of mysterious buses that appear with people who go in and vote on behalf of dead people and all of that kind of have stuff. You, have you, um, this is related to it, but it is also not related to it. Um, have you ever heard of the Netflix documentary, Wild Wild Country? Yeah. Oh, that's that's what thing that they, like this cult from India moves to yeah, Oregon, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, And they bust it. it. Yeah, they bust in homeless people so that they would live there for a little bit so that they could vote and right. put them in charge and be mayors. So they like, also poison the food supply. Yeah, they put salmonella in all these <laughs> buffets. Yeah. That's a great Netflix show if you, well, if you need so, to watch anything. So, yeah. So it, it is possible, I, I suppose. It is possible. That's, that's, a very diff- that's a very specific scenario. But voter ID laws that Republicans push... Uh, I, I don't think there's much harm to them. I don't think that they suppress much, but I don't think they prevent anything. They yeah. don't do anything. Yeah. You don't have hordes of people showing up to vote. What you do possibly have is the possibility of stuffing the ballot box after people vote. After everybody's gone home, then people can sit mm, in the like, back room. Like in Gossip Girl when Chuck did that so Blair would be prom queen. Exactly. Yeah. Now I understand. Now you understand. Now I get it. But voter ID laws don't do anything to prevent that. What does do things to prevent that now is that you have a paper trail with voting machines where you reconcile the electronic vote with the paper vote. Sure. And it becomes – and so if somebody decides, okay, well, I'm just going to stuff all these ballots in there, they have to – the machine, they've got – it's just – it doesn't work. Do you think think we'll ever be able to vote online? I do think we will be able to vote online. They'll have to have like such strong firewalls. I don't know the terminology or something. No, what you're going to have then, it's it's, it's all going to happen on the blockchain. I don't know what that is. Uh, well, it's the wave of the future. You heard it here now. Oh. It's the same. It's the same technology that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies use. They're entirely secure because what happens is every single person who has Bitcoin has access to the Bitcoin ledger. Uh-huh. And so there's no way to hack into a single database because you have to hack into the entire chain of databases that everybody has. Interesting. And I think that voting is going to end up going that way. 
So, I feel like that would raise uh, millennial voter rates for sure. What? Or younger voting uh, online. Voting online. Well, we're already that voting might, by mail. That might push out the old people, though. Right, right. Well, old people have a lot more at stake. Old people are voting to be able to preserve their social security. I saw this one person who was like 100 years old voting and everyone was like applauding them. And I was like, they, nothing that we vote on is going to affect them. They're going to die any day. Well, well, I don't know. I used to work for Alan Simpson who would talk about entitlement reform and actually cutting Social Security. And I would get angry phone calls from voters in Florida who would scream at me. And, you know, they were very motivated. Anybody that's going to touch Social Security or Medicare – they're coming out in force. Yeah. So watch out for them. But you are the future of voting. Oh, shoot. So this is good. It's a lot of pressure. You are today's future old person. How's that? Ah, oh, that just gave me an existential crisis. An existential of. crisis. Yes. So voting will continue to evolve as we go forward. And we will be here every step of the way to lead you through it or to talk you through it. I don't think we're leading people through it. Yeah, until, until the nuclear... That's right. If you are listening to this podcast on the radio, please subscribe via iTunes or listen on the KSL Podcast Center. Until next week, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And we'll see you on Dinner Table Politics. Goodbye.